wait and see. Have you ever heard that expression? My, my mother used it all the time when she wanted to get us children excited about some event in the future and fill us with anticipation. Wait till you see what I got you for Christmas. And of course, we bombard her with lots of questions, saying, well, is it big? Is it small? Is it heavy? Is it light? And she would just respond with this almost evil grin. Wait and see. So frustrating. But it's pretty much what Jesus tells his disciples today as he ascends into heaven. Wait and see. Or more specifically, wait and pray, and then you'll see. Must have been the hardest time in the apostles' lives. They had just lost the man they loved more than life, just a month earlier. They saw him arrested, tortured, and executed. And with his death, all of their hopes and dreams and all of their sense of reality crumbled. And they were so disillusioned and so full of grief that they weren't even able to recognize the risen Lord when he came right up to them. It took a miracle of some very ordinary event like breaking bread or inviting them to touch the marks in his hands or calling them each by name to break through and they'd suddenly see, now I see. And suddenly we're filled with that certainty that God had not abandoned them after all, but that God was always, always with them and filling them with hope and a sense of real trust at that very moment all over again in a whole new way. And now he was leaving them again. How their hearts must have sunk when they saw him go into heaven. What do we do now? Where do we go? What do we do? Especially when Jesus said, nothing. Don't do a thing. Just go back to Jerusalem, to that upper room, and wait for the Holy Spirit. Until you're clothed with that spirit, and they must have been so full of questions. Well, what is the spirit going to look like? When is the spirit coming? And today, does this mean that you're ushering in the kingdom soon? And when is that going to happen? To which Jesus simply said, wait and see. We are invited into this period that is probably the most frustrating period in the church calendar. These 10 days between Ascension, which we remembered on Thursday and celebrate today, and next Sunday, on the day of Pentecost, we celebrate the arrival of the Holy Spirit with us. But in the meantime, in order to prepare for this spirit to see what we're looking for and, and to be set on fire as they were, the only thing that you and I are invited to do is wait and pray. Two of the hardest things to do on the spiritual journey. We hate waiting. We hate waiting in traffic. We hate waiting at a stoplight. We hate being in a doctor's office and looking at our watch and saying, I was supposed to see this guy about an hour ago. We hate waiting for news. The 21st century is lulling us into a 
illusion, an illusion that we are in control with our modern technology. And it's a pretty darn good illusion, too. I mean, we have instant communications. All we do is pull out our iPhone and dial, speed dial. Or we have instant information. Google it. We have instant food. Just put it in the microwave and zap it. Instant transportation. Uber it. You, you name it, and it seems as though, oh my gosh, we have a lot of power at our fingertips until, we have, until we're stuck in traffic or till we have to wait and remember that we're not in charge. So frustrating. Just as frustrating as it is to pray. You know, we, we want to pray, but haven't you found that it's really, really difficult? And I'm not just talking about praying when things go wrong or praying in thanks. I'm not just talking about praying when we feel as though we ought to or when we're together and, and have grace together or praying before we go to bed. I'm talking about the way that these disciples had to pray, waiting for this Holy Spirit that they had no idea what they were waiting for, but just being open in prayer because this is probably the most difficult part of prayer, simply listening and opening our hearts to be guided. So hard to make the time. And then when we do make the time, don't you find that, what do we say? It's so hard to just turn off all that electronic equipment, our iPods, our computers, our emails, and simply listen to the silence. It can be deafening. And then, once we do make that time, how do we silence the racket that's going on inside of our heads? You know, every time I try to sit down and pray, I start thinking about, oh, I wonder if I'm going to be able to pay that bill, or did I turn the oven off? Or what am I going to have for dinner? Or when am I going to meet this deadline? just a constant chatter inside. So it's very hard to listen. And frankly, it has taken me over 60 years to get to a point where I actually look forward to praying. I didn't have time in the Navy. You know, I only prayed when we were in extremis. Didn't have time running a church as a rector. Isn't that odd? I mean, we're supposed to be praying all the time, and we're too busy. But now I'm retired. <laughs> and I have scads, of, I make scads of time to do what my heart has been yearning to do for years, to pray. It's still hard, but every morning I'll set aside time to open my heart, to calm this monkey brain inside, I have to have a jump start. And so I use scripture to open my mind to something other than what's going on inside and to allow it to guide me into listening for another voice, a deeper voice. Well, and then I use Buddhist meditations of breathing. Breathing is so essential, and yet how many times do we forget just to breathe? 
my son put on a screensaver on my computer that says, breathe. Every time I see it, I realize I'm not breathing. And, you know, what could be closer to God than this breath of life? And if we can take a deep breath, it calms us and centers us. I mean, try it in traffic. And, and you will find that your blood pressure goes down, at least for a little bit, just to give you a window. And then I'll read um, probably somebody who has struggled, as I do, with prayer. Um, wonderful passages from Thomas Merton or St. Augustine or Mother Teresa or Mahatma Gandhi, people who have gone on a journey of prayer and have all these wonderful guides and, and suggestions. Then I'll usually do some poetry. Reading poetry takes us beyond the cerebral and brings us into the realm of the experiential, using all of our feelings so that we can see that hidden dimension of nature and life and really feel open to something beyond what we can understand. And then, if I'm really lucky, finally, finally, I'm ready just to listen. And I'm ready to be surprised. And it's wonderful when you really have calmed down and centered how the world looks so different. You know, when I take a walk after a time like this, I see things that I probably wouldn't see otherwise because I'm either too busy or too preoccupied. The other day, I saw a scarlet grosbeak. Have you ever seen one of those? I'd never seen one before. And it was like the Holy Spirit that just popped up, this brilliant, fiery red. I love walking down the street and looking into the eyes of strangers and recognizing something very familiar, as though we have a bond, a common nature, the same sort of need, so connected I love being really centered and spending time in an art gallery or listening to music and suddenly I'm brought into a whole new world. I can see the world through the artist's eyes or I can feel so close to the composer, but I need to create space in order to find that room in my heart to receive that. And I'm sure Luis and Sarah would say the same things. To preach, you really need to slow down and take time because you can't just whip it up. You need to be guided and to create that space to receive something, we call it the Holy Spirit, is such an incredible experience but so frustrating when you can't just sit down and write. You need to listen and you need to be guided as any composer or artist would. Next week, we will celebrate the arrival of the Holy Spirit. May we pray that we can see what the disciples finally saw. 
What is that? I don't know. Wait and see. But I do know that whatever they experienced, their hearts were set on fire to the point where they were able to go out into the world as new people, as preachers and teachers and healers, sharing God's love in such a personal, tight way and setting the world on fire with the good news. And that's what we can do. How? Wait and pray, and then maybe we'll see.